My dear bagginses and boffins, tooks and brandy box, grubs, jobs, hornblowers, bulgers, brace girders, and proud food. Proud feet! <laughs> Today is our 10th episode. <laughs> Alas, 10 episodes is far too short a time to live among such excellent and admirable Hobbit listeners. I don't know half of you half as well as I should like, and I like less than half of you as well as you deserve. Uh, we have things to do. We have put this off for far too long. I'm happy to announce this is the beginning. We're starting now. I bid you all a very fond welcome. Hello. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Viewer's Cut. Today, we have a very special episode, and before I uh, mention what the episode is, I want to introduce uh, my fearless comrade, Mr. Mauricio Blanco. Say hello, Mauricio. Buongiorno. <laughs> now, this episode is for him. This episode has been uh, in the works for a while now, and if you guys recall... Uh, my friend here is a huge fan of a trilogy that was released, what is it, nine, uh, the first one was released 19 years ago now, and this trilogy oh, is Jesus. Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, yes. The Two Towers, and Return of the King. Mauricio has a lot that he wants to unload on us uh, with his <laughs> thoughts on this uh, this trilogy, and uh believe you said it uh, I, I, you kind of broke the rules, but you said all three are your favorite film of all time. <laughs> so, I know that brought some. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. I know it's not fair to say. It's honestly not fair to say, but I do see them as a whole, as a whole experience. Well, they're they're one long story. Like it's a continue. Like each one picks up. Right. Yeah. So I get what you're saying. Yeah, for but sure. at the same time, it's like saying it's like saying like, oh, Harry Potter is my favorite film. <laughs> yeah. There's seven. Now I I believe Fellowship of the Ring is your favorite one though like breaking them all down Fellowship is your is your favorite I believe is that correct Yes Okay uh, she's my baby she's my favorite Well my first quick question just kind of I didn't really tell you about this what's your second favorite <laughs> My second favorite is uh, the Return of the King Okay and then that obviously leads to Two Towers as uh, number three yeah, But not too far, not too far from Return of the King I can't They're very close with each other I can't lie to you other than I believe it's Gollum's introduction in the second one I don't remember anything from the Two Towers besides um, anything with, with Gollum I, I couldn't even tell you what is going on in the second really? movie Really? Okay. <laughs> Okay, not even the battle, which is what it's known for. Nah, what what battle? The uh, I don't even I don't even know what act it's in. <laughs> Helm's deep, man. Helm's deep. So I got a few questions here uh, that I'm going to be asking Mauricio, and then we have a special guest later that's going to join us. I'm going to keep that. Uh, keep Peter that. Jackson. Yeah, Peter Jackson is going to join us. He hates <laughs> he hates the trilogy, and uh, <laughs> so we're just going to have some fun with Mauricio here. I got a lot of questions I want to I want to ask him. So uh, just quickly before I begin, uh, I've only seen the trilogy once, each mm -hmm. movie just once. I'm not a fan. I can appreciate the movies. I think they're very well made from like a practical standpoint. There was a lot of effort put into them, 
and I can totally, oh, yeah. totally appreciate that. They're just not my cup of tea. And I think we briefly talked about this in the Game of Thrones episode. I think if Lord of the Rings was a television series, I may have enjoyed it more because even Game of Thrones isn't my style. But I was able to watch that show, you know, the entire run. So I, I'd be curious if down the line they ever did like a Lord of the Rings show. I'd, I'd definitely give it a go. But yeah, Amazon Prime's gonna do not a Lord of the Ring uh, show, but uh, based on um, another part, another story uh, uh, from Tolkien's universe. So before Lord of the Ring, uh, Lord of the Ring happened. Okay. So another um, another era in the same universe. I didn't even know that. Well, I would definitely give that a go because I, 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 you know, I'm a big fan of television, especially if, if it's something that I that I can enjoy and glom onto. And I did enjoy uh, mainly the beginning of Game of Thrones, but I would be definitely curious to check out mm -hmm. a Lord of the Rings show. So that's kind of my uh, story with Lord of the Rings. I only saw them once. My wife's a huge fan of them. She's also a big fan of Fellowship of the Ring. So Mauricio and her have that in common. I just don't. I, I just. There's so many characters. There's the movies are so long. There's so much going on. I just can't for whatever reason. I don't find it very memorable to me. But I know there's a huge fan base, and Mauricio is in that fan base. So I'm curious uh, to see how it all began. So my first question, Mauricio, mm -hmm. uh, that I don't actually even know is: Did you read the books before you saw the movie? I didn't read the books before I saw the movies. No. Okay. So I didn't. Um, to be fair, I was. I want to say I was fairly young. And uh, the Lord of the Rings, at least uh, from where I'm from, it's not like something they w ask you to read in high school, for example, or middle school. So it was never in my radar, but I did read the books afterward. How long after? So, like after all three movies? Have you watched all three movies? Yes. Okay. After the three movies were done, I decided to... I'm on this ride already. If I read the books, I'm probably going to start seeing things that makes no sense, going to make things confusing. And yeah, I was right. <laughs> there were a lot of things in the books, a lot of things that weren't included in the movies for obvious reasons. And uh, yeah, it wouldn't make it confusing. I did read The Hobbit oh, okay. uh, before the third movie came up are, as, a, as an open. So in regards to the original trilogy, like Lord of the Rings, are the books better mm -hmm. or are the movies better? Um... It depends. It's, it's complicated in the fact that the movies are more digestible. They're easier to watch. You understand the story. You can actually... I mean, it's not like you don't understand the other books. Obviously, you do. But it's more definitely in a, in a size that is yeah, more entertaining. The books are very good, but the way they're written, a, a way more formal style, and they're more dense. Tolkien can spend two pages describing... Uh, a forest and you're like <laughs> okay we're on a forest it's it's wet it's green and it's big uh, so it can get very exhausting but once you become a fan of the movies or the universe in general it becomes more digestible but yeah i i think for the mere feeling of entertainment i rather the movies um even though i know they're missing or changing a lot of stuff from the book okay and the uh, movies, when they came out, I'm assuming you saw them all in the theater. Did you see them all opening night? Like, were you pumped and excited to see all of them? Or No, like I said, when the first one came up, I was like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> and funny enough, it wasn't too far from also time-wise with Harry Potter and stuff like that. So I probably was more into Harry Potter 
and then this one came up. So there was two um, fantasy things going coming up, and I was like, what? I don't know where, you know, I was kind of fighting, oh, Harry Potter is better, because I read the books, it's Harry Potter, it's new, I don't know what this Lord of the Rings shit is. So I went to see the first one on, I don't know at what point, it was out for a while, but there was a big buzz. Oh, okay. uh, Burger King was giving away Lord of the Ring toys, and I was like, <laughs> oh, I want those toys. And uh, I went to see it, and it blew my mind. I, I know it was three hours, I was very young, I, my parents were probably expecting me to just fall asleep or get bored, I was lost in the movie. My dad was as well, and my mom reviewed at the end was like, that's the best nap I've ever had. <laughs> And <laughs> yeah, she she was out, and I was like, "That's fine." Uh, she paid for a for a three hour nap. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the rest of the movies I watched them. It it was increasing on um, fanatism to watch them. The second one has the best memory for me, or one of the best memories, I would say, because I was in uh, I was I was in high school, if I'm not wrong, uh, probably before high school actually, and my dad out of the blue went to pick me up at school like two hours before it was time to go and I was like oh no what happened everything okay and he's like yeah we're just gonna go watch a movie I'm like okay and he took me to the theater to watch two towers and it was like uh just the two of us another guy in a corner because it was in the middle of the week when everyone's working at school and there was like a couple of probably students that just run out from school they were just finding a place to make out or whatever so it was just this huge theater, just a few of us, and we watched the whole movie, and it was probably one of the best movie experiences I've ever had. And I, I could escape school earlier. Well, that, make, that makes it better. Even better, but So, and the third one was the most exciting as a fan, because it was not opening night, but the show they do before for huge fans and the press and I was there, it was uh, this theater in Venezuela, and it was, they have four uh, theaters there, all of them just showing The Return of the King, packed, fully packed, and just a bunch of nerds, and people who was huge fans, and the theater was just, the energy was uh, kind of uh, watching Endgame, that was the end game of its time, and it was people cheering, yelling, it was the first time I go to a movie theater and people are allowed to talk and yell and, you know, be loud about it because everyone was just enjoying the thing mm -hmm. and made it even better. So I was lucky enough, enough to see the three of them in theaters, yeah. So um, and I believe all of them have director's cuts or extended cuts, like, but those weren't in the theater, right? Mm -hmm. And then they released, mm -hmm. like, I believe Return of the King, the extended cut is over four hours. Is that right? Um, I, I'm... Probably. I, I think it reached the, the <laughs> four hours or it's very close. It's just one of them is like, oh, it has extra 30 minutes. Okay. Then the other one, oh, it has extra 45 minutes. All right. And then the other one, it's a whole movie attached <laughs> to the other. It's like, holy cow. Are, did, they make the uh, movie, yeah, did they make the movie better? Like, have you seen the, the different cuts? I have seen even the standard edition in theaters on a special releases here in Toronto. Okay. And uh, plus, I bought them. I had them with me. And for me, the best one, the one that actually improved, was the first one. Oh. It doesn't change the storyline or makes you go like, what? But it does explain a lot of things. It's like, 
Why in the second one they have these ropes? Why in the third one they have these things? And you have to kind of make it up by yourself. But the first one actually is more fantasy, is more entertaining. There's, I don't know, I, I liked it way more. Uh, there's other characters. And with the second one, I must say that's the only one that I was like, okay, this is too long. Uh, it's I enjoyed it, but but I watched it with someone never seen them before, uh, with Ryan actually, and he was like, okay, it's good. He was being nice, but I even I was like, this is this is dragging, man. This is very this is too much. With the ant with the talking trees, Ugh. it was like. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, two hours of this is not enough to make sense. But yeah, I, I would say increase the, the quality, personally speaking, from the first one and make the third one more action-packed. And there's a character that doesn't appear on the regular cut of the film oh, that is in the that. book and they'd include it on the movie. And I was like, hell yeah, they brought a character that wasn't around. Interesting. The Mouth of Sauron, I did, to be more specific. I did not know that. So... Yeah. um. I want to, like, can you give me a couple reasons why you enjoy these movies so much? Like, what is it about them? I know you're obviously a big Game of Thrones fan, and there there, there's similarities. What is it about this genre or this style or wh- whatever that just, because, like, number one movie of all time is huge. Like, you've seen a lot of movies, and mm-hmm. you're very, uh, like, you, you've seen so, like, lots of different genres, and we've talked about lots of movies that you really love, and this is kind of almost like, I don't want to say the black sheep, but it's kind of unique with your taste, if that makes any sense, just because yeah. I know a lot of this stuff, and I'm just, I, I, I want to break it down why you love this movie, or these three movies, so much. I think that... Uh you know, that perspective of the black sheep also comes when it's about a blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Usually when someone has a blockbuster as a favorite film, it's seen like, well, that's easy. Yeah. That's an easy choice. And understandably, like I get it. It's, it's like, yeah, everybody liked it. So you say you liked it. Um, with these ones, I wish I had a precise answer, like a good anecdote or something. Um, I think it was just a matter of, one, I liked the topic. I like fantasy, and I I like to learn about I don't I don't know other regions of the world beliefs like, uh, you know it's it's interesting it's different. Um, I must say by the time this movie came out for me at least and I think most people the fantasy, uh, the fantasy films were in a low. People didn't care about that. It was just like why are we watching dragons and we're watching this elves and stuff. We're done with it. And so I didn't have much expectations, as I say. I think it just, I was young, it was fun, it was action-packed, and I grew up with it. It became a staple in my, in my younger years. I think it's one of those movies that for me is easy to love. And I'm not going to force myself to like something that is out there and odd just to say, you know, be that guy who's like, oh, my favorite film of all time is this that you cannot never understand and it's five <laughs> hours long. It's from a, a Russian uh, director. It's like, no. Man, I jump into these movies and there's something in it that is so easy for me to watch and ride. And it's it's just there. Good memories. And a lot of people I, I cross path with, a lot of uh, nerds, friends, you can spend hours quoting Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and make sense. You can... You can quote a whole scene with one person. It's like, why have you seen this movie so many times? And it's like, I don't know. 
it's just an easy three hours to watch, even though the same that sentence makes no sense. It's three hours, but they're easy to watch. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't have a honestly a logic explanation. No, that was that was when great. When you fall in love with someone. Sometimes you don't have an answer. You're just like, I love this person. And it's the same with this movie. Well, what I took away from that is obviously there's a lot of nostalgia too, which I can totally understand yes. for sure. You, yes. Right place at the right time. I totally get that. Uh, I want to yeah. jump over to, uh, to the director of these three movies, Peter Jackson, who hasn't directed a lot. Uh, he's mainly a producer. <laughs> and I'm just curious if you're a fan of his directing style. Have you seen any of his other movies? Obviously, we're going to quickly talk about the Hobbit trilogy after, but like King Kong mm-hmm. and the Lovely Bones. Like, are you a fan of, of his style of directing? Uh, do you, you know, do you appreciate it? Do you, are you excited for the next Peter Jackson project? Long story short, no. <laughs> Great. I... On to the next question. I mean... <laughs> It's one of those cases like, you know, you find, for example, were you expecting uh, Miller to make uh, freaking Fury Road? Mm-hmm. No. And Fury Road for me was probably one of the best films that year, if not the best, on my personal opinion. And it's one of those things like they don't have to be uh, Wes Anderson when they produce the same thing over and over and over. Uh, but still has their, their their style and it's fun and you marry with this director like Tarantino. Those are directors that are very good at their craft and they're so good and they have such a huge personality that they produce in mass the same thing, but they found a way to make it different. And that's amazing. Same Christopher Nolan, for example. Different topics, same style. Mm. Um, and with Peter Jackson, it's one of those that it's not cohesive. I think we were just talking that we were just saying that right before start recording that he's more like a producer. He's the guy who knows how to be, you know, behind the camera, but not as a director, but behind the project, uh, most likely. So I think Lord of the Rings was a mix of him showing his passion for a project and putting everything in and surrounding himself by experts and uh, fun. F- not a fun fact it's just a fact something that he did during the production of lord of the rings is like for example with the uh, visual effects team many directors probably like james cameron they like to jump in and be like i'm gonna direct each scene and i want this shot and i want to make it like this and that it's well known that peter jackson he just told the visual effects what it was gonna happen and let it to them to take care of it like the the guy who was want to work on the visual effects, was the guy in in charge of directing uh, the scene of the Olifants just running into the uh, the uh, the horses, and it's like, why Peter Jackson would direct that if he doesn't know how we're gonna do the effects for this? So the effects guy knew how to use the light on his favor. He knew how to use the camera on his favor. They pre-made the whole animation, so that made the job easier. And I think that what helps to make the visual effects way better. So he was a director, but he wasn't micromanaging. He knew, I don't know how to make this properly, so I'm just going to tell them what is going to happen and how I want it, and they're going to develop it. So that also showed, like, no much ego coming from the director of, this exists because of me. No, he had a project. He wanted to uh, deliver it, and he let the people who know best take care of it. That's probably why in other movies where he takes care of everything, it's a little bit like mm, sloppy and a little bit like nah, not the best. But overall, 
I also like he takes things very lightly. And you can tell. It's an adventure movie. It's a, even though it's a serious topic, people are dying, it's war, it's a good versus bad, it's an adventure film. So you have the odd comedy, you have the too many shots of the space because back in the day, people was trying to do CGI or they were contained. He went to New Zealand and he was like, I want to show how wonderful this place is. It's magical and still... I can sell the Middle Earth right here. And that's what I did. A lot of aerials, a lot of showing the forest, showing the world. And that's that. I like that as a director, that you're not selling me the characters only, but you're selling me the universe. You're selling me the Middle Earth exists. And look at them walking on the mountains. Look at them walking on the fields. So I think that he was very smart as a director there. And I appreciate that a lot. Do I feel the same about other of his films? Do I... Am I waiting for his films to come up? No, I I don't. But that little moment of his career, I think it's it, it was good enough for me to have him as a very respectful guy with not much ego. Yeah, I, that, I think you said it perfectly. I I I I think that makes a lot of sense when you bring up ego because I think a lot of directors could have potentially came in and tried to take over and take control, and it could have been bad i think that the way you explained it is perfect for that it's just because there's so much going on you could tell for sure there's passion behind that and i know for a fact because i've watched a lot of behind the scenes he brought the same thing to king kong because i believe mm-hmm. the original king kong is what made him fall in love with film so just from my experience watching him behind the scenes and king kong i can tell that this guy might not go down as one of the greatest directors of all time but he he has he has a style. He has passion, and whether you like his movie or not, he's a hard worker. Like I always, he lost so much weight filming. Remember at the Oscars when he showed up when when he yeah. won? Oh my god! Like he worked his ass off. He I don't know how yeah. much he lost, but I remember seeing shots of him behind the scenes and like on the production of Lord of the Rings, and like he was a bigger guy. And then he shows up at the Oscars, oh, yeah. and he's like 160 pounds or something. I don't know. But uh, yeah. I totally uh, I appreciate that. That it was a really good answer, Mauricio. Thank you. I want to jump over to The Hobbit quickly before we bring our, our, our guest Ooh. in. And my, my first question is, did you like The Hobbit trilogy, or were you disappointed? I was highly disappointed. Okay. Uh, I mean, okay, I was disappointed. Okay. Let's, don't go, let's not go too dramatic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do a... The problem here is we have a production company <clears throat> who wants to emulate the success of Lord of the Rings, thinking we have it. People liked it. It was a success in every way, and their fans are going to come back. There was a big gap between those films, between Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. And logically, you are like, they should have started with The Hobbit, but no, it's okay. That's not the problem. The problem is they took, and that's a reality, they want to squeeze money from one book, turning it into what it was, like uh, the equivalent of a three long books uh, trilogy, which is absurd. But I think he lost his track. He wasn't fulfilling a dream that a company didn't know where it was going to go. The company now knew the journey. They wanted to go there, and he wasn't feeling it. And you can tell. To a point that he even stepped back he was like, I'm, I can't keep doing that. He was having a breakdown. And Andy Serkis took over the director's seat for a, for a period of time. And then he came back 
just to finish it. I, I didn't know that. To do. Yeah, so Andy Serkis kind of was trying to put things together under the excuse of, uh, well, you know, we'll let him take the, the, you know, try it for a little bit because he's been a second unit director and stuff. And Peter Jackson was honestly like having a breakdown. And you can see it in many uh, documentaries behind the scene when even the actors are like, there's this famous picture of Ian McKellen like supposedly like crying on set because it's like in front of this green screen child to talk with uh, fantasy hobbits. And he's like, this is not why I became an actor. And I don't know if that's a real thing that happened, but if so, I feel it. I get the feeling. And I think many people on the set had it. And they start creating side stories that didn't exist. They start bringing up characters that were not in the books. A relationship between elf and uh, dwarves that wasn't there. Why is the Legolas there? It's uh, it was very weird. Like Bilbo said, we all felt like sort of stretch, like butter scrapped over too much bread. Mm-hmm. That's a good analogy. Um, I like that. Yeah, he said it starting the first film of Lord of the Rings and then a movie about him. And the thing was, man, that was a full baguette <laughs> and barely any butter. Do you think if it was one movie, it would have been better if they just stuck with, with just making one yeah. movie? Yeah, first of all, less stress because the production time reduced drastically three times. Yeah. And you are following an actual length for what it is. And you can add a lot from the book. And it would be great as a prequel. Because, honestly, the cast was great. It's just the everything went out of place. It just was too much. One movie would have solved it, for sure. So I got one more question here. And I just got a text from our guest that he's almost here. So this should time perfectly. I'm going to read a... Uh, I, I, I took this off Wikipedia. I did not write this. I, I'm, I'm just citing my source. Even though I don't think Wikipedia counts as a source, does it? <laughs> um, nowadays, sure. Okay, well, I got it from Wikipedia. and It's better than Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to read this to Mauricio, okay? At the yep. 76th Academy Awards in 2004, Return of the King won all the categories for which it was nominated, and it holds the record for highest Academy Award totals along with Titanic and Ben-Hur. I believe that's 11. And... Also, it holds the record for the highest clean sweep at the Oscars. So I believe it was nominated for 11 and won all 11. It was also Mm. the last movie for 14 years to win the Academy Award for Best Picture without being chosen as one of the top 10 films of the year by the National Board of Review until the release of The Shape of Water a few years back in 2017. So these are the 10 films that that were picked by the National uh, Board of Review. Mystic River, The Station Agent, House of Sand and Fog, Cold Mountain, Sea Biscuit, The Last Samurai, 21 Grams, Lost in Translation, and America, and Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. So, my follow-up question to you, Mauricio. I, I know you love this movie, Return of the King, like, but do you believe it deserved to win Best Picture at the Academy Awards that year? I think there's... Uh, also, I agree with Shape of Water. I wasn't crazy about it. Mm-hmm. This is the end of probably the biggest trilogy I've ever produced besides Star Wars. And I think it was an award of recognition. Mm-hmm. It was an award of this journey is finally over. And it was a journey that brought 
cinema to a new level. And from technical aspects, from bringing people back into the theaters from different ages, uh, from bringing back the feeling of, oh, actual, well, I know Harry Potter was around, but actual like big, big blockbusters being still a possibility for Hollywood. Do I feel it deserves, when I see the, uh, the list of uh, nominations for Best Picture, like Lost in Translation, which I also love, it's on my top five, Master and Commander, great, um, Mystic River, Phenomenal, and Sea Biscuit, haven't seen it, so I can't talk about that. There's a horse. There's um, a horse in it. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> makes no sense with the sea part. I, I was thinking of someone owning like a shrimp restaurant or something. Um, <laughs> when I see those nominees, I I do feel Lord of the Rings deserve the award. To to be honest, I know Mr. Griever is a heavy one to watch, and it's a classic drama to get the the award. Master and Commander is more realistic. It's very well made, but still, I feel competes with the same. Uh, elements that Lord of the Ring has, which is, you know, visual effects and um, custom design, set design, this kind of thing. And Lord of the Ring is something that's been working with that for the last, for the other two years before, uh, prior with uh, Fellowship and Two Towers. And Lost in Translation is very sweet, very beautiful. I, again, I love it. I don't, I still feel it's this indie film that is just around these blockbusters. I do feel like in that list, Lord of the Rings deserves it. Honestly, it was a filmmaking achievement from a director's standpoint, from a producer standpoint, script. Um, I won't say about acting because it might pe- some people might have different opinions about that. But as a whole, as a film, as a project, it was definitely the biggest one, not only of the years, but the last three years. Um, so yeah, I do feel it deserves it. Without, without the whole I love Lord of the Rings from that list I do feel it it, it brings it, it brings way more to the table and it changed the, the 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 filmmaking industry whether if you like the movie or not so for example the technology to uh, create Gollum um, James Cameron said like after he saw that he knew it was time to make Avatar I'm not saying Avatar is the best movie in the world and no it is not but it does show that Peter Jackson's team made something big enough to make other directors go like, oh, now other things can be achieved. And, and yeah, uh, James Cameron, which is known for, you know, revolutioning the, the visual effects world in filmmaking, he, he even saw that. I was like, now it's time to make this movie. I've been waiting for that technology, and now I have it. Mm-hmm. So I think that shows the level and the impact of Lord of the Rings whether if you like it or not, because the story, the books, uh, from a filmmaking standpoint, it definitely set a statement. I'm pretty sure we wouldn't have the level we had of Marvel movies if it wasn't because um, visual effect people that work in uh, Lord of the Rings. And they were like, okay, technology move forward because this movie forced us to. Uh, So, you know what? I'm going to say it. Marvel should say thank you. (laughs) to Lord of the Rings <laughs> for bringing up the technology. Just saying. And yeah, Andy Serkis for uh, Planet of the Apes. But yeah, that's my statement. Yeah, I've always I've always thought that uh, from a Academy Awards standpoint, because I mean, like, I don't think the Academy Awards are the be-all, end-all for, for good films. I think they've missed a lot. 
uh, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. But um, in regards to just the Oscars, like I feel like Return of the King was arguably the last blockbuster to be recognized for Best Picture. Because if you think about the mm-hmm. years before, you have Gladiator, you have Titanic, Braveheart. And if you look post-Return of the King... Like, that's when you're getting into, like, Crash Territory and The Artist and Slumdog Millionaire and, I think, Million Dollar Bait. Like, there's just a bunch of not so much blockbusters, but more, you know, not so much independent, but they kind of steered away from that. So, I think Return of the King was kind of, like, the last hurrah for just a film that, on a huge level, it was very popular. And not only that, I feel feel also the the theme of it, like, fantasy. Like... We wouldn't have the popularity of Game of Thrones if it wasn't because they, Lord of the Ring proved there's an audience for this, a big one. And even the blockbusters like yeah, Gladiator, Titanic, they were getting their, uh, getting their awards. The, the theme was more realistic. It was more or his, historic. But fantasy, that was, mm-hmm. that was uh, a, a type of films that were put in a, you know, in a corner for a while. That was like, that's just child's... Uh, uh, kind of movie it's, it's just boring or it makes no sense nobody cares about fantasy and elves and magic it was just put on a side and with Lord of the Ring was like again simultaneously with success of things like Harry Potter it was like a perfect mix like a perfect storm of let's bring fantasy back and I think until this day we're still feeling that splash of fantasy style kind of films and shows you know sneaking into the smaller or more indie and realistic uh, topics. So I think that's big. Both of them, Lord of the Ring, Harry Potter, same year, just, they, just, they brought that back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you can, I mean, like I, I've said it that I'm not a huge fan of these, but I, I don't really think anyone could say that Lord of the Rings are poorly made movies because... Oh, God, no. Like, I, I don't, even the per, the person that hates them the most, I think should be able to at least say, yeah, Andrew. someone worked very hard on these. There was a lot of time and effort put into them. And on the screen, they're they're not bad to look at. I mean, you can break it down if you want, no. but I, I can at least say that. And you know, I'm I'm glad uh, I'm glad I got to dive a little bit deep into uh, into the history of Mauricio and Lord of the Rings. It's a funny one. <laughs> I just got a text, and I believe our guest has arrived. Can you hear me? Hello, I can hear you. It's it's me, Peter Jackson. Yeah, he made it. Oosh, <laughs> Mr. Jackson. No, I forget. I hope you're doing well. He has an accent, doesn't he? I forget how he talks. <laughs> uh, I don't, nobody knows. It's actually Andrew Dodd. Big surprise. It's not Peter Ooh. Jackson. <laughs> oh, my God. Ooh. Just as impressive, though. How was your ride in, how was your ride <laughs> in uh, Andrew? Uh, I walked, actually. It was great. <laughs> Smooth sailing. That's it's the a, budget we're talking about. It's a beautiful, yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful day. By the way, can I have uh, $10 for a cab ride home, please? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we wanted to bring Andrew in here because we've had some discussions before about all of our thoughts on Lord of the Rings, and we thought we'd get a little bit of the other side of the coin. Uh, Andrew Dodd, uh, I'll pass over to him, but uh, he's got some stuff that he wants to share about uh, his experience with Lord of the Rings, so I'm going to pass it over to... Uh, Andrew, just tell us about your experience with Lord of the Rings. How many times you've seen them? What your thoughts are? Do you want to burn them? <laughs> yeah, don't feel bad for me. I know you won't, but uh, be honest. So I, um, 
when I was in grade five, um, my teacher, I don't know, I wasn't the best student. Like I was handing in things kind of late and wasn't too interested in a lot of things. And my teacher was kind of invested in my, in my success and my well-being. And he said to me, I, we had to write a, read a book and do an assignment on a book or something like that. And I couldn't figure out what book I wanted to read. And he said, here's The Hobbit. And I'd mm. never even heard of it before. It was not that popular. It was not what it is today because of the movies. Um, nobody in my grade knew what it was. And he said to me, I read this when I was a kid and I loved it. You should read this. I think you'll love it too. And being a bad student, I like dragged my heels. I didn't read it. I had to like try and rush through it. Um, so it wasn't a pleasant experience, but I, but I, I got the gist of it. I got the, the, the basic story and I, and I kind of conceded that like, had I taken the time to read it properly on my own, I probably really would have liked it. Like I do like that fantasy genre. So flash forward a few years, it's now 2000 or 2001 and they're making a movie of Lord of the Rings, which I hadn't read, but I knew the Hobbit. And I was excited. And that first trailer, do you guys remember that first trailer? That was great. That made it look so good. And I was excited. And my friend Stu Jarvis and I, who he really was excited to, we went on opening day after school one day to the theater. I'm pumped. And about an hour into this thing, I remember being like, when is this going to (laughs) end? Wow. I distinctly remember like, checking my watch and I had a cool Nike uh, light up watch. You press the button and it glowed. Remember those? <laughs> Show up. <laughs> and Andrew was rich. Like, Humble brag. I had to press the button and like shield the light to see what, because I was so desperate to see what time it was. And my friend Stu was mad at me because I was checking the time. And I, I, I was just as floored as, as anyone else. Like I went in fully expecting to love it and just was completely disengaged, bored, and I went to see a year later, Two Towers, and a year after that, Return of the King, hoping each time I would like it, and each time I was just as bored in each of those movies. <laughs> you were my mom. Yeah, I was just having this nap. I was your mom. I co- I think I contemplated yeah. leaving. I, maybe it was during Two oh, Towers. I think I was wow, almost like, dude. I'll see you in the mall. Like I just can't. I just can't. Have you seen them? I have s- so many questions. <laughs> have you seen them since, Don? No, 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 no. Well, if you have any questions, okay. Mauricio, feel free if you want. If you want to ask him some questions. Um, no, I'm just curious. Like I, I know the feeling of wanting to walk out of a film in the theater. It has to be a very, very bad experience that you're having. And like I had with um, the third Twilight, without seeing the first two, just went because a girl wanted to go, and I was like, "You're pretty, but I'm gonna go." Um, but for Lord of the Rings, like. What what happened? I wanna I wanna dissect this. I wanna know what was going through your mind. Why this movie was so impossible to watch? What what hit you the most? I I think the answer to that I don't know either. And uh, and since these movies came out, I've been mm. wondering. I, Adam, to your question, I think maybe I did try and watch some of them on DVD when they came out, and I just it was the same thing. I was just as bored. So I think my problem is is that. It's the direction. I think I don't like Peter Jackson, and mm. I do not feel 
connected with any of those characters. I think mm-hmm. they're played so like whimsically and sort of melodramatic. You know, the scenes in the Shire. Oh, I love you, Sam. Oh, the Shire is so wonderful. Isn't life wonderful? Yes, I love the butterflies, Frodo. Oh, Actual quotes right there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that's what it feels like. And it, it, feel, it felt like some Charles Dickens-esque like BBC yeah. melodrama. And then that's part of it, which I'm like, maybe for kids that works or something. And then parts of it are so dark and gritty and gross and there's monsters and big scary trolls and people are getting decapitated and some of those war- battle scenes feel like something out of saving private ryan or something that's like really mm-hmm. graphic and and gritty and i'm like that doesn't work with the sort of like fanta- fantasy magical tone you set up at the beginning at least saving private ryan is like realistic throughout the whole movie it's always uh, got that gritty feel to it I was like, I don't, this seems really uh, unbalanced to me. And everyone, like, yeah, it, won of a lot, it won a lot of Academy Awards. None of them were for acting, right? No one was nominated because everyone's... No, everyone, nobody. No, everyone yeah. was just so, like, dramatic and like, oh, we've got to do this for Frodo. Fro- we, we, you know, what does your heart tell you? Your heart tells you Frodo's alive. We've got to fight on, you know, like... None of it's real. None of it felt, it all just felt like a, an over-the-top stage play to me. So I think I didn't care about any of them. Frodo is whiny. Sam is whiny. It took them so long of just climbing over rocks. And I... <laughs> I you know. Oh, you should check the extended edition. That rock is bigger than oh you think. Oh my God, I can't even imagine. So, <laughs> so I think... I think because I didn't connect with like Aragorn is boring. I don't really understand his story. He's some guy, but he's he's the reincarnation of the. He's meant to be the king, but he, I don't even remember. Liv Tyler is is dramatic. Like, so I think because I didn't connect with any of them, whenever there's a battle or they're in danger or there's a big spider or whatever, I I didn't care because I'm just like I'm already <laughs> checked out. I don't care it's about this spider. story. I don't care about you. I don't care if you destroy the ring or not. Sauron can win for all I care. It doesn't matter. None of it matters to me. Mauricio, before you go, um, one sec. I just want to jump in. Uh, no actors won. Do we have a sponsor? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like it. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, go to Leon's. They're having a huge sale on, on couches. <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> um, no, I, I, ju- I just wanted to say no uh, actor won a uh, Academy Award, but Ian McKellen was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Fellowship of the Ring. Oh. Mm-hmm. That was All it. Right, well. he, he, he didn't win. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the fact check. Um, he was a good Gandalf. I mean, first time jumping into that. Um, <laughs> Carry on, Mercy. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I totally understand what you say about the 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 contrast of what is happening. But I think it's part of the the same uh, story, the same development of the story. Like the Shire is like this. It's like this Switzerland weird, weird place where nothing is happening. They don't know what the hell's going on. They are in their own. They they even say it in the books. Like hobbits are so locked into themselves, just. You know, smoking pipe and just drinking and eating, and that's all they care about. They don't know what's happening. They don't know what's be- beyond their borders. So that's why the the Shire probably feels like this weird paradise space where everyone's so childish and 
ignorant of the danger of the world. Uh, and then you have the Nazgul, this uh, guys wearing these black robes and the, and the horse is just, you know, getting into the shot. And you're like, wow, for them, this must be like the demons itself jumping in. Um, and I think that contrast of the Shire being so far away from everything, ignorant that even uh, Saruman's character takes, talking to uh, Gandalf's character, he's like, your, your obsession with the hobbits like distract you. Now you don't know what's happening. You're just concerned about drinking, smoking, and hanging out with them. Um, and that's, that's their life. And when they walk out of the Shire, which is the big thing for them, the walking out of those borders is when things are getting greedy and dark and twisted. And you're like, wow, the real world, the world of humans and elves is like awful. What is happening? And then the ending, just going back to the Shire and everything, it's nothing changed. Everything was the same. People will look at them like, why are they wearing those stupid clothes? So I think those contrasts are necessary in that point uh, to show people that are completely ignorant of war and violence suddenly getting involved into that and the greediness of it and you can even say the same about like i'm gonna bring it back but like harry potter films like the first two are like child adventures and then after the third one when the books start getting more serious because voldemort was coming back whatever that's when the tone changed the films were darker it was people was getting killed characters you love were dead now and lord of the rings was a, a it's around that. And of course, Lord of the Ring is written in a more greedy way from someone who actually experimented the war. Tolkien being in World War One. it's someone who survived it, basically. And that kind of post-trauma of the war developed what Lord of the Ring is. And I know the dialogues might, and the acting might be a little bit like uh, too over the top, like you said, like a Charles Dickens kind of thing. But when you see the writing style of the books, it's almost like a middle the Middle Ages, when the way they were writing, or even Shakespeare, there's a lot of, oh, my liege, oh, oh, who says oh three times before speaking? I don't know. Um, but it was that style. It was, and I think Peter Jackson was like, I want to make a modern version of Lord of the Rings, but keeping it close to Tolkien as possible. If Tolkien watched these films, would he like it? I don't know. But I think that acting was very well attached to the style of the way the books were, were written. Um, I think that, yeah, it's a director's choice or a, the screenwriter's choice, which is the director as well, to say, are we keeping it like this or are we going more modern and keeping it more casual? Which sometimes when you see that like in historic related films like from Rome or the Middle Age and they get too casual to like they're in the middle of New York talking, it throws me off. It's like, they don't speak like that. What is this? Uh, it's not realistic, um, ironically. So I do feel that's probably why, and I understand why you say that, why you feel that. But that contrast for me was necessary, and it's in the books itself. Even The Hobbit. The Hobbit's more childish, and then Lord of the Ring goes, whoops, bonkers, which is the war coming up. It's the dark times. Uh, and I think he represented that a lot when he said, like, there are before Sauron attacked, like Gondor, for example, is like beautiful, shiny sky, the sun is bright, and then he has to cast like this layer of dark clouds on top of everything so his army can move forward. So it's like the darkness just sneaking into the story as well. And I think that how, why it works for me. But that's 
someone who probably overanalyze the story as I do, uh, probably first view will be like, what? And it's a style of acting, yeah, that is not what we're used to, I guess. I think I, you know, I think a nice middle ground is uh, I do agree with your points. I do gr- agree that thematically, that's what's happening. There's sort of a coming of age story almost, like little kids entering the real world sort of thing. When you're a little kid, everything's safe and magical, and then you get older and life sucks. Um, I get that. <laughs> I think uh, it does. So I agree. I think uh, for me personally, it just it's it's the way that tone is depicted like child mm-hmm. child movies meant for children can have dark scenes and it still sort of feels like it belongs in the tone of that movie whereas in lord of the rings i feel like there's too much of a a tonal shift between the two i i, right. I think there would have been a, a better way of balancing it and, and and the harry potter movies you make a great point about those as well after you watch like uh Deathly Hallows Part One, and go back and watch Philosopher's Stone or Sorcerer's Stone. Mm-hmm. You're like, whoa, this is feels like a different movie. But I think it's okay because they're different movies, so you can sort of separate it as being like these movies are are made in it. Gotcha. If 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 you took ha- the first half of Philosopher's Stone and the second half of Deathly Hallows Part Two and mashed them into one movie, that wouldn't work. And that's kind of what I feel like Lord of the Rings is a little bit. So yeah. I think a different director could have made a movie that you and I both would have really liked. I'm just not a Peter Jackson fan. And I'm not too uh, invested in Peter Jackson either. Yeah. I guess I guess it's also a matter of experience. Like uh, Adam said, for me, it was a nostalgia factor. And the way I watched those films uh, increased my like ability to it. Like my dad you know, kidnapping me from school and go to watch a movie or watching it with the fans at the end, the third one. And those things add to it and make it easier to watch. Probably if I was going to watch those movies in a more casual way, and I probably wouldn't wouldn't be as, as a fan as I am right now. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's also timing. Timing is a big thing to like a movie, especially when it's very out there. And uh, if it's three hours, you actually need to be invested on it. Because <laughs> it's not, oh, yeah. if not, you're from the first hour, if you're not in, the rest is just going to be a church. And it works with everything. It could be the same with Titanic. The first two hours of Titanic as a kid, I was like, I'm done. I'm done with this movie. And God knows I overplayed the second VHS of just the sinking. Because <laughs> right. I was like, I don't care about the first half. Uh, as I grow up, I care more, but although not didn't got better. But the it's the same. If you're not invested in the first uh, part of the movie, I totally understand why you were like, I want to walk out of here. Yeah. Um, so I, I get it. It's Maybe if James Cameron peace. had made Lord of the Rings, we we would both be happy. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, do you imagine? <laughs> wow, I don't Arnold know. Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, as Gandalf. <laughs> no, it would be, Arnold would be like an orc or something, just mumbling. <laughs> Urukai. Get to uh, the horse. Yeah, it will be. It will <laughs> <laughs> Back to the shire. But uh, it it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be very odd. But that's the beauty of it. I think. Uh, like what would have happened? And probably in a few decades, maybe less, based on how the industry works, we might have a remake of some sort that might be more of your taste. And me, as a fan of the original, I'm gonna hate the shit. <laughs> Because to be honest, I don't think it's a story thing. Because I watched some other like animated versions of Lord of the Rings that are, they were more for TV. I hated them. I was like, this is this is, this is I can't. 
this is too much. And I, uh, but the movie worked. I really like the, um, I think it's 77 or it's mid 70s, late 70s, the animated Rankin Bass version of The Hobbit. I think we've talked about it's that. Terrifying. Before. What's that? It's terrifying. I, I think that's the one, but the one I saw was. Well, there's a Lord of the Rings into... one where they like rotoscoped over real actors and animated. That's the one. Yeah, that's weird. That, terrifying. I don't know about that. That's. Yeah. So, Adam, I don't know if you know about this, but it's imagine just a regular, like, and very British animation that there's too much motion in it. And the orcs were like, they rotoscope real people wearing black uh, outfit or something with a mask, like a demon. But they added an extra effect in it. So there's this animated creatures, all colorful, like Aragorn, fighting this real human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fully dark. And it's like, the fuck is it? And then the arm is just like a bunch of them just running towards the camera. And you're like, <laughs> no, nope. Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. And it, it was weird. That one I didn't, and they, I didn't know. They ran out of money, right? They made... Fellowship, yeah. two towers. They stopped in the two they towers. They couldn't finish uh, Return of the King. But anyway... I, they stopped it there. Rankin-Bass just did a straight animated cartoon of The Hobbit, and that's my favorite um, interpretation of any of those of any of those movies. So just, check that yeah. one out. I love Gollum in it. He's like constantly on the verge I, of like having a nervous breakdown. He's always just like... Arr, arr. He's freaking out the whole time. I'm like, that's... I really, yeah. It's really mem- memorable. I want to know of your your opinion on the circus um, golem, the one from Peter Jackson. Now that you love that golem from The Hobbit, what do you think of the Peter Jackson golem? I, you know, maybe my personal bias is just too much that I liked that cartoon version, including the way he looked. Mm-hmm. That um, I, 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 again, I don't, I, I don't, I don't like it. I don't, and and it's not the performance so much as it is the design. He looks too much like a monkey. Uh, for mm-hmm. me, and um, okay, and I don't like in Two Towers. Where he's like having that conversation with himself, and it's kind of goofy. Like sometimes he's silly, right? Sometimes he's like a kid cartoon mm-hmm. silly, and I, that's where I he becomes another silly hobbit. Yeah, and that's where the tone of those back. movies is doesn't work for me because sometimes it looks like a kid's cartoon, and sometimes it looks like it's rain and there's orica. So when it was being yeah. silly, I was like, I'm not. I'm not digging this. So no, it's not. I know he's beloved, but I, it's not for me. I basically ask you, who's your favorite crack addict? <laughs> <laughs> what kind is your is your favorite crack? The one addict? sitting outside my house. <laughs> oh, Roger, he's still Andy, there. Andy Circus is phenomenal, just from a performance standpoint, and like advancing yeah. that technology that he obviously. He did as well in King Kong and then uh, into the Planet of the Apes movies. Like that defined his career. Yeah, like it's yeah. it's he he like uh, there was the big discussion. I don't know which Planet of the Apes. It might have been the second one, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, when people were actually wanting him to be considered for uh, awards for acting. And there were some people like it's not, and some people like it is. And like I, I totally buy it. By the time you get to War for the Planet of the Apes, like he is performing. Like it's a full on performance. I think that's a lot of acting. It's not like oh, he had a, for honestly. King Kong. He he actually learned how to walk like an ape, and like and obviously in uh, Planet of the Apes too. But like it's it's incredible, and I, I just that's a highlight for me. I don't mind the like Gollum was probably one of my favorite characters in the when in, uh, in the movies, and I just I'm a yeah. huge Andy Circus fan, so I, I just like that I, both as a motion capture 
performer and an actor i think he's fantastic and i just think this is where it all started i agree oh yeah the dawn of motion capture technology was huge before that when you watch the phantom menace uh jar jar binks was oh like oh my god he was animated just like you would animate a cartoon only with 3d would you say like an actor that it's doing a performance and then it's covered with cgi it's the same um it works the same way as an actor that it gives a great performance but it's covered with makeup like many actors receive their awards and it's just like they don't look like themselves it's just covering makeup wouldn't that be the same if you're covering cgi but your performance it's actually remarkable mm-hmm. like i think it applies i think i think the debate comes from like what if what if the animators did change something what if the animators did add a facial expression that the actor didn't do so now the actor is getting mm. all the credit for some decisions that were made by the animators and not the yeah. actor. I think that's that the only year wasn't there. Yeah. He didn't cry. Exactly. That sort of thing. That's where it just gets where it gets yeah. tricky. Oh, yeah. I agree. Oh, yeah. I get it. I don't really know what I'm agreeing with. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> but, but yeah, I agree. <laughs> just the default. That's my, like whenever okay, Andrew sure. talks, that's just my default. I agree. Yeah. All right. For good. the safe, good way uh, to go. yeah, to keep the everybody safe. Well, yeah. I think to to wrap it up, I think a perfect fitting uh, thing for you two is next time they re-release. We're gonna kiss three, and make up. Yeah, <laughs> the next time Again? the three movies are released in the theater, I think you guys should have a Mauricio and Andrew day, and you guys should go watch all three movies in the theater. <laughs> so in two years after COVID yeah. is done. Yeah. That'll be perfect. Well, I do appreciate both of you uh, joining in and Andrew coming all the way from New Zealand. And uh, oh, I, my, my pleasure. <laughs> that stupid, Happy to be that here. Stupid joke keeps coming up. And I hope uh, everyone had a good time. I was, I was very excited for this episode and I'm glad we finally got to do it. Did, do you have anything else you want to say, Mauricio or Andrew? I, I think I'm fine, Andrew. You, ha- you, ha- you have something you want to drag my favorite movie on the ground for the last time? <laughs> He just has to pee on I it. <laughs> I don't know that there's enough morphine in all the world to get me to sit through those movies again. But, <laughs> but uh, I'd be for you, Mauricio. I would, I would do it for Mauricio. Oh, that's perfect. Uh, that's a perfect way to finish this. I love it. Ah, uh, thank you. I'll buy you. I'll buy you dinner after. I want. I want one of those Burger King Lord of the Rings toys. Me too, man. I Me think too. you have to buy you have I to buy him school. breakfast, lunch, and dinner for each movie. I think that would be fair. You you take care of all his meals. I will Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't that I will do it for sure. <laughs> I'm, good. I'm gonna regret my words soon. <laughs> right on. Well I hope everyone has a great rest of your day and uh, thanks again for jumping uh, jumping in on this. Thanks for hosting Adam. Yeah, baby. I do what I can. Bye. Namari. Hey there. Remember that you can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and many other options. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram as The Viewer Scott. Bye-bye.